This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you, thank you. Good morning. So good to see you here today. If you're a guest, we welcome you. If you're a visitor, I mean a regular, we're glad to have you too. And if you're watching my live stream, we're honored to have you with us. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real quick and our ushers will gladly present the Word of God to you. I, I really encourage you to get the Bible today. Again, my slogan is you get into the Word, God will get into you. And I, I really hope you get into the Word today so you can follow me in the Scriptures. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Remember, uh, Wednesday night we are having our, our service. It's at 7. Also, besides uh, the water baptism, we are doing communion together, so it'll be a great night. Again, next Sunday there's only one service at 11, so be sure and write that down. Well, we jump back into our series here. Again, I said to go to Matthew 16. Matthew 18. No, Matthew 16. I'm sorry. Matthew 16, verse 18. Um, this, this is one of those mornings we're still on our series, The Church. And uh, the Lord, a few, few nights back, he woke me up. Actually, it's not totally accurate. Actually, my bladder woke me up. And then the Lord uses that to speak to my heart. If you... Uh, if you sleep all night with going without having to get up and go to the bathroom, you are a blessed soul. You ought to count your blessings, okay? Just a little thought for some of you who may have younger stuff within you, but bless you. But in this passage here, I want you to see some truths of the Word of God. And just to set the table a little bit, is there a person that is involved with your life that may have the ability to really intimidate you? Whether that's a person that's in leadership or not. But when you get around them, you seek, or you sense the spirit of intimidation. So turn with me here to Matthew 16 and we will begin here. And notice when you get to Matthew 16 that where we begin in, in verse 18, it's red letter words. This is the Lord Jesus. So he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, this foundation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it or prevail against the church. Now, highlighting a couple of things there again, the church is Jesus. The church was Jesus' idea. So the church is a big deal to him. And if you notice right there, he said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so we hang on to that. That's such a truth. And before we jumped into verse 19, I, I want you to see that he's going to use the word you again, okay? So once we get there, I'm going to highlight this. So he says in verse 19, and I will give you. I, I will give you. So we see in verse 18, verse 19. And so we got to go back and we got to define who the you is in this situation. So if we go back to the beginning of this in, in Matthew 16, verse 15, the Lord Jesus was with his disciples and he said, hey, fellas, who does man say that I am? And his disciples said, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a priest, some say you're John the Baptist. And then he asked them the million-dollar question. He said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And that's a question that every one of us have to answer. Who, who do you say I am? Praise the Lord. They're just confirming some things here. So when he said that here, the apostle Peter replied to Jesus and said, 
You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus said to Peter, he said, blessed are you, Peter. So anytime a human being confesses Jesus as Lord of their life, we come under this, this benefit of you, this blessing of you. So he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, not just the keys of, of earth or heaven, but he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. So keys denote authority. So the Lord Jesus right here is he's telling us as the use, as the born again. And let me just throw this in here. That when he addressed Simon Peter and said, you're blessed, Simon Peter. Understand, Peter was a disciple of Christ. Peter was a follower of Christ. Peter wasn't a saint on Sunday and a sinner on Monday. So when you see that, you this is people that say, not only am I born again, I, I serve Jesus to the best of my ability day in and day out. So when he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom, Jesus right here is saying, here's all the authority that's been given to me, and I give it to you as part of the church. Now, when he gives us the keys of the kingdom, it becomes our responsibility to use those kingdom keys in areas of conflict. The name of Jesus is the name above every name. Heaven, earth, and hell. That's Philippians 2, 19 and 11. But the Lord Jesus said this in Luke 10, 19. He said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, which are demons and devils, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will hurt you. So Jesus has given us authority. But I want to highlight something here. That authority is against the demonic entities. Uh, really, it talks about in Ephesians 6, 12, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. So that the devil may, he may manifest through people, but my weapons aren't against people, they're against these spirits here, okay? So I said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, watch what Jesus teaches us here. And whatever you, there's that word you again, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That word bind literally means to forbid. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven. Now, something I believe that will help you is this little analogy is if it's already forbid in heaven, you can forbid it here on earth. That's a good thing to go by. So at times you've got to ask myself this, would this be allowed in heaven? Would, would darkness, would evil be allowed in heaven? No. So bind it up in the name of Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That word loose there literally means to permit. So if it's permitted in heaven, you can permit it right here on earth. And the way I loose and I bind is in Jesus' name. Now what you see again here, that all the authority that the Lord Jesus got with his victories here on the earth, he said, I give you the keys. Heaven sanctions, sanctions it. So many times in our life, I believe as born-again Christians, we put up with a lot of things we shouldn't put up with. And sometimes I'll hear the Lord speak that into my heart and say, you're putting up with things you shouldn't put up with. So we go back to the church in Thyatira in Revelations chapter 2. 
And remember the Lord Jesus spoke to that church and he said to him, he said, you allow, you permit, you tolerate that woman or that spirit that's in that woman, that Jezebel, to do certain things. In other words, you allow it, you permit it, you tolerate it, you keep putting up with it. And so right here, he gives us insights and says, why are you putting up with those things? Now, if we go back and look at some of the symptoms that go with the Jezebel spirit, remember, she, she was a false prophetess. Why do I warn of that? Because in these last days, there's warning over and over of false prophets and false teachers. It says that her desire was to teach and seduce into areas that lead to sexual immorality and idolatry. Those are some of the things that go along with this Jezebel spirit. But here's an interesting thought for you. The Lord Jesus said, I gave her time to repent. And she would never repent. So anytime that I'm in operation against the Jezebel spirit, one of the signs will be they will not repent. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. And as, as we're going there, one of the reasons we're going here is I think it's very important that we learn all we can about this spirit called the spirit of Jezebel. How it originated, how it's birthed, but I can tell you this right now. I believe this spirit is a lot more prevalent in our society than we realize. Now, I'm not preaching to go on a witch hunt, okay? I'm not preaching every time you go out at the door, look under the bushes because there's a devil. In it. That's not what I'm preaching. But when there are things in my life that intimidate me and keep me from doing the things that I'm called to do or the things I enjoy doing, you better pay close attention to this. Thank you for that one. Holy amen. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29. In the 38th year of age, the king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri, became king over Israel. Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord. The evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, he was very open about it. He was very blatant about it. It was almost like, this is in your face, God. So he goes on to say, more than all that who were before him, he was more wicked than all the kings that were before him. There were some doozies in that lineup. Now, I don't know about you, that wouldn't be a title that I want to have. I did more evil than any of the other kings before me. So we look at verse 31 now. Let's see some of his evil. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. The sins of Jeroboam, this guy was the originator or the one who worshipped the golden calf. So he said, he worshipped the golden calf. And he uses the word and he said, it was a trivial thing. And so to agree here saying, if that wasn't enough. So literally in the scriptures here, it's saying, he did a lot more evil things than even worship the golden calf. So what did he do that was even worse than that? Keep reading. 
And he took as a wife, oh, Jezebel. Now, this is where this all starts coming, okay? He took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter, Ethbel, the king of the Sidonians. Now, when I read some of that about Jezebel right here, her daddy was a king. Her daddy was an ungodly king. So did Ahab marry the wrong woman for the wrong reason? He made a choice right here to marry. Now, it's, it's very important who you marry. If you're in here and you're not married, you probably ought to listen, okay? And I'm not going to charge you anything for this, all right? Because you either learn in life two ways. You learn by wisdom, by listening to godliness, or you learn the hard way. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so here King Ahab, he said, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to go against the word of God. You know what? We'll be okay. Be careful. So he marries Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabel, king of the Sonians, and he went and served Baal, and he worshipped him. So when he marries Jezebel, he takes on Jezebel's gods. And this woman was the beginner or the author of the worship to Baals, to false gods. So not only does he marry her, his marriage to her led to the official endorsement of worshiping idols. Wow. Chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite. Now the word Tishbite literally means from the city of Tishbe, but also it had another meaning that was related to return and repent. That was one of the calls of Elijah, the man of God, to tell people, you're going to have to turn, return and repent. He goes on to say, the inhabitants of Gilead. And Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel is before whom I stand. Now, he, he gets real bold with Ahab. And he said, listen, pal, before whom the God I stand or who the God I serve. And he makes it clear, the God I stand before, the God I serve, there shall not be dew nor rain in these years except at my word. Now he's bold with King Ahab. And why this is so bold? Because the ones who worshiped Baal, they believed with all their heart that Baal was responsible for not only the weather, but the rain. And so Elijah, he, he cuts him right to heart and he says, listen, pal. It's not going to rain until I tell it it's going to rain. Three years. Now, i got to paraphrase for you really quick. I'm going to paraphrase chapter 17, chapter 18. We will pick up in chapter 19. In the chapter 17, after he declares that, the nation of Israel goes into a drought. So the Lord moves Elijah out into the wilderness while he's in the wilderness, he sees miracles happen. God feeds him by the ravens. Do you really believe that, Pastor? I do. That'll be a good rerun in heaven, won't it? We're going to sit down and watch it. So every day, the Bible says, morning and evening, the ravens would come swooping in, and they delivered meat, bread, and water. 
How would you like to see that coming in? I, I mean, I, I'm kind of imagining it in my mind. So I don't know if they flew over him, dropped the lunch pail, said, here's your brown bag special, pal. Eat up. I don't know. But I believe it happened. Then not long after that, he moves him to a, a place called Zarephath. He comes across the widow who's got a son. She has enough food left for one last meal. She tells him, I got flour and enough oil, and me and my son are going to eat, and then we're going to die. And so Elijah says to her, why don't you take care of me first? And, and in saying that, you know why Elijah said that? Because it's, it's the principle, you, you honor God first, and God will take care of you. And so she obeys she gives Elijah everything she has, and before long, she's got enough flour and enough oil to last forever. He sees miracle after miracle, and then not long after that, this widow's son dies. The Lord said, Elijah, go and res resuscitate that fella. He lays right on him, one, two, three times. The third time, the boy comes back to life. He's seeing miracle, miracle after miracle. That's chapter 17. Chapter 18 he shows back up to Ahab and he said, listen, pal, it's getting ready to rain. Then in the meantime, he has to confront the people of Israel and he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? So he confronts the people and then he goes up to Mount Carmel and that's where there's between 400 and 850 of these false prophets and he goes after them. If you remember the story, he begins to mock them. He begins to ridicule them. He begins to laugh at them. And ultimately, he executes 450 of them. Then he tells Ahab, the clouds are getting dark, buddy. It's getting ready to rain. You better get your rain boots on. And you know what happened? It began to rain. Chapter 19 is where we pick up. Now, I pick up here, and I want you to think about this. He's been in the wilderness for three, months, or three years. He's seen miracle after miracle. He's seen God move. So Elijah, he, he's on cloud nine. He's, he's lit up. He, he's ready for more things of God. Chapter 19, verse 1. But Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. You know what he tells, tells her? He said, this dude told me it wouldn't rain for three years. And it didn't rain for three years. He said, when he talks, he gets, the, he gets all of heaven's attention. And then he says this. And also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. She sends oh Elijah an email saying... So let the gods, now look at the word gods, little g. So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. So you know what Jezebel says? If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to kill you. She makes this vow, this pledge, this oath. Now again, this is a, a, a man of God. This is the man of God who didn't have a problem confronting Ahab, the people, or the false prophets. But all of a sudden, this woman named Jezebel comes to the scene, and she says, if it's the last thing I'm going to do, 
I'm going to kill you. So in this situation, I go back to the church at Thyatira. Remember, he said, why do you permit this? Why do you allow this? So let's watch what Elijah does when he hears that. Verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And when I read that, I think, wait, wait, wait a minute. So what you begin to see, there's some form of the fear of intimidation that came after the man of God. And it made him run for his life. And so what we don't confront won't ever change. And so he runs from his assignment. He runs from his calling. He retreats. And every time we run, instead of confront, we are cooperating with this spirit. And it's amazing that this woman with just one threat put the man of God on the run. The reason I want to highlight this is because the spirit of Jezebel is very vicious. Is there a spirit of Jezebel that comes after you that has put you on the run? That you're running. Now, as I go through this, you're going to begin to see some symptoms that are associated with this. He runs for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now, when I looked at the word wilderness, you know who's in the wilderness? Nobody. This was a prophet. This was a man of God. His calling was to influence people. But there's no people in the wilderness. So she has literally intimidated him to the place he's not fulfilling his God assignment. She's got him off track. Verse number four goes on to say, and he came and he sat down under the broom tree. Now watch this. And he prayed that he might die. The man of God. It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Now what you begin to see here, now listen real close. This, this may describe you right now. Elijah became very despondent. Depressed. When you begin to see he comes under the broom tree, he was fatigued. He was discouraged. He was uh, uh, on the verge of saying, I want to quit. I want to give up. So what you begin to see with this spirit, it'll put you on the run. Where you want to quit, you want to give up. But you may even want to die. You see this? this? This is why we must learn to deal with spiritual things spiritually. I, I do not fight or win a spiritual battle with physical weapons. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree. Do you see that? He said, I'm going to pull the covers up over my head. I I don't want to get up and go to work today. I I don't want to fight. I just want to lay down and sleep. I want to hibernate. And suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Get up. Get up. And when, when I look at everything that's said in verse 12, this is bizarre. This is crazy. And the reason I say that is here is the man of God who wasn't afraid. He had the courage and the guts to confront King Ahab. Remember, he boldly said, this is what's going to happen. And, and then he confronted the, the 450 false prophets. But this woman, and I'm not downplaying woman, but this woman with the Jezebel spirit comes after him and puts him on the run. And so you begin to see how crazy. It doesn't make any sense in the natural. You know why it doesn't make sense in the natural? Because it's a spiritual battle. Verse 6. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate, he drank, and he lay down again. He's exhausted. He's in this type of a funk that he can't get out. I'm, I'm in, I can't get out. And you won't ever get out by, by natural means. You know, I had a person the other day, and the, the, the word was that I'm really depressed. I'm, I'm depressed in this area. And she said, I went to the doctor, and they put me on these pills, and nothing happened. And I said, can I inject my thought? And she said, yeah. And I said, it's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. You can take medicine after medicine, and it's not going to do anything. It's going to numb you. So when I read all this, do you see why we go back that the Lord Jesus said, I give you the keys. I give you the keys of the kingdom to loose to buy in the name of Jesus. And sometimes in my life, it's just that simple that in the name of Jesus. Now understand, I don't deal with the person. I deal with the spirit that is moving within that person. But when the Jezebel spirit shows up, that spirit wants to influence. That spirit wants your position. That spirit wants your authority. And sometimes the spirit that operates in in the Jezebel with people, it may not be a position of leadership, but yet people still bow to that spirit. As I begin to read all this, I, I have the thought looking over and over. Elijah never confronted her. He permitted, he tolerated. And what what we're willing or not willing to confront will never change. It was a cycle of compromise. And what happens with the spirit of Jezebel? You can't appease it and you can't pacify it. 
You deal with it in the name of Jesus. And you've got to sever that relationship with that person, okay? And oftentimes, that spirit may come across like they're your friend. To your face, they're your friend. But literally, they are what I call a frenemy. Uh, they look like a friend, but they're really your enemy. You didn't, say, you didn't know that was a word, did you? Frenemy. How do you spell that? Well, Ms. Garrett's the English teacher. Ask her. See, because he allowed this spirit to come around, he compromised. And what I tolerate, the longer that I tolerate, that spirit will grow stronger and stronger, and the person will become more and more discouraged and hopeless. Now, I begin to look at this, and I said, Lord, Show me more that it's associated with the spirit of Jezebel. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9. And I, I've seen this spirit operate at times, and it seems like many times it shows up in a human being's life when you've just had great success or great victories. It's like it'll come after you. 2 Kings 9, verse 22. Now it happened when Joram saw Jehu. You say, who are these guys? Well, Joram was a rebel. He is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Jehu is the anointed king. He's the next anointed king, okay, of Israel. So he says, when Joram saw Jehu, that he said, is it peace, Jehu? He said, is it peace? So Jehu answered and said, what peace? Better stated, there can be no peace. Why? As long as the harlotries of your mother are around. As long as the harlotries of your mother are around. Now, in some translations for the word harlotries, it'll use idolatry. But when you look at the word harlotries, that is rooted in sexual immorality. When we go back to the church at Thyatira, remember the two things that the Jesus said? You allowed her to teach. You permitted her to teach sexual immorality and idolatry. So when we see the word harlotry, harlotry with a wife shows that she's not faithful to a husband. But harlotry in the spirit realm says, you're not loyal to God. So he says immediately, as long as there's idol worship and sexual immorality, there can be no peace in your life or my life. And then he says, and her witchcraft are so many. Her witchcraft. Now, we kind of live in a society where we look at witchcraft and we think, 
It's just some ugly-looking old lady who flies around on a broom with a wart on her nose. But when you study the word witchcraft, witchcraft's design is to control you, to dominate you, to intimidate you. And whatever means that looks like, it will go after you. And so when I don't deal with this in the name of Jesus, when I don't stand against it like the Bible has taught us, there can be no peace. There will be no peace in your life. And so the spirit of intimidation will try to move through any person that it can. So we speak about this in the first service. I have a lady says to me, it's interesting that you're talking about this right here before Christmas. She said, I have a family member that doesn't know the Lord at all. And her goal is to intimidate. Every Christmas. To control, to dominate. And she says, there is no peace. Our home where we're at is the description of strife. And she said, but you know what? It's going to look a little different this Christmas. And she said, I realize biblically got to sever that you got to get yourself out of that relationship again you can't make peace and it can't be your friend okay you can be gentle to the person but you sure can't be gentle to that spirit so I hear this story about a, a guy who in his workforce he's at what we would call the pinnacle He's reached incredible heights. Just unbelievable. A few weeks into walking in all those victories to these incredible achievements, he starts becoming very discouraged, depressed, despondent. And, And he said he couldn't figure it out. But every day he'd go to work, it would get worse and worse and worse. And he said, after about a month's time, it had gotten so bad that he wrote out his resignation letter. He said, I'm done. I'm going to quit. But he lived by a lake. And so one night he goes down by the lake and he's walking the shore of the lake. And the Lord begins to speak to his heart. And the Lord says to him, I'm not done with you. I still have an assignment for you. I never told you to resign. And so that night he goes home and he tears the letter up. And the Lord says, I'm going to begin to show you what happened. He gets back to work. And he starts finding out there was a person that worked underneath him that looked like a friend but was a friend of me. And was jabbing him in the back and had begun to intimidate everyone within the office. He removed her that day. Took all her keys and said, you're done here. I was asked this question in my life. I said, Pastor, you ever seen the spirit of Jezebel move toward you? And I said, yeah. 
Yeah, in the 21 years of pastoring, I've seen it a minimum of three times. And I want to share this with you because I believe it'll help you. The first time was a, a person that was a very strong-willed, very strong-willed. I mean, just in-your-face intimidation. You know what that person said to me? This church will never make it without me. And I looked and I thought, wow, that's a bold statement. But the last time I looked, Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is still on the throne. The second one was a guy that came across very submissive. Came across like your friend to your face. But behind the scenes, he would try to destroy you. He needed his place of a platform. He needed a place of authority that he could never create on his own. So what would happen that at the men of iron, instead of enjoying the corporate anointing with everybody else, his goal was to wait till the evening where he could influence people in the room one-on-one -on -one because he didn't have the ability to create a platform on his own. So I need yours, and I'm going to undercut you to get it. And I remember right here, I confronted him one Sunday morning. And in my prayer phrase way, I said, pal, that's not going to happen. And he left. And you know, when I look back at that guy, he had gone from church to church to church to church. And to this day, he's still going from church to church to church. The third one came across incredibly innocent, religious, came across as your friend, could do no wrong. But there began to be some sexual immorality. And when confronted with the sexual immorality, remember what the Lord said in the church of Thyatira, I gave her time to repent, but she would never repent. This person would never repent. And this person would say to our face, I would never do that to you, but to this day is still doing the things I said I'd never do. So what happens? And I begin to bind up that spirit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Again, I'm not preaching that everybody's full of doubt. And that's not what I'm doing. But when you get around people that intimidate you, that cause you to coward, that cause you to want to run from your assignment, you may ought to look at this. If it, if it causes you to be depressed, even... I want to die. I've got to begin to address this spiritually. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to stand up. And you say, Wow. This is a different message that I've ever heard before Christmas. I kind of thought the same thing. But the Lord began to move in my heart in this. And you got to come back next week for me to finish because part of this is tied up in 2 Timothy 1.7 where God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. 
that intimidates. Now, I pray through this that you begin to see through the Word of God how the Spirit begins to move, but also what it can do to you, the symptoms. And we're not here to throw stones. We're here to say, man, let's just, let's just believe God. Let's just do the Word of God. Let's just, let's just call on the name of the Lord today. And so if you're here today, man, you, you realize, man, I've, I've run from my assignment. I, I've allowed a spirit of intimidation almost to paralyze me. And, and there is fatigue within you. There is frustration within you. There's discouragement with you with the very things that you love to do. I'm going to have our team sing here. And, and I welcome you to come down just to say, Father God, this is me. And, and I personally believe this, that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come on the inside of you. And again, I'm not going to tolerate this no more. I'm not going to allow this no more. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Sometimes that's all the thing you need to say. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead and sing and let's see where the Lord will go through this. Go ahead. Let your kingdom courage it takes spiritual guts I'm just going to be truthful and, and there's some of you that are still out there that the spirit of intimidation has told you don't you dare go down there don't don't you I, I welcome you to come down and the reason I said it is because I believe the Lord is going to set people free here today I, I believe that with all my heart and so we're, we're going to sing again here and I'm I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down here. I'm, I'm telling you, we, we, we want to lay hands on. We want to speak life today. We, we are imparters of life. And so you're not too late to come down. You say, I've, I've never been in anything like this. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's, his vision statement is to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And until we stand up in the name of you, this is what happens. And so we welcome you down. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe God. Go ahead. Let's sing, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.